Listening Dog Media. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. It's our Inspirational Mondays episode. Uh, Very excited about having this lovely lady on. Uh, I was introduced to her through the charity NACOA, to which she's an ambassador. Um, She is definitely an inspirational lady, a mum of two, and it is the lovely Kerry Walker. Hello. Hello. So you two have actually got a lot in common, haven't you? Yeah, a ridiculous amount in common. (laughs) When I hear Kelly's story, I'm like, we've just lived alongside each other without knowing. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we met, well, we met through um, the charity NACOA, which supports young children who've lost their parents to alcoholism. So Kerry and I both lost our mums when we were very young to um, to alcoholism. And I've been doing some bits with them. And that's how we've been introduced, really. So we've, we were saying on the phone yesterday, we've never actually met in the flesh. We're looking forward to that. That's going to yeah. happen at some point. But we've met a lot on Zoom and, and Kerry did a really special video uh thing which she asked me to be part of a panel guest right yeah didn't you a while ago um, yeah yeah lots of I think there was with the six of us six sort of adult children of alcoholics it's children of alcoholics week and we all answered the same question um a few times and then and then we did a live event um so that was great to have you part of it and you were amazing at, um you know doing all the questions and pulling it all together and she was just brilliant she's this lady's got a bit of a thing jenny she you know she doesn't quite realize how good she is at stuff so she worries mm-hmm. a lot but she's <laughs> she's brilliant and the stuff you've done for nakoa and the stuff you keep doing as well is amazing Oh, thank you. I do feel like I'm just faking it all the time. Like, why am I on here? <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing. So you're you're ambassador of Nicoa, and also um, you, you you're basically the voice of children of alcoholics. That's what you want to be, and that's how you're perceived as as to be. But um, just just tell us, because uh, for those of us, you know, because for me, it's probably a different world. I probably can't comprehend what both you and Kelly have been through. Um, so. For you, what being an ambassador for such a, a Funikoa and um, being the voice for these children, um, what's it that you, you want to get out there? What's, you know, from the journey that you've had? Yeah, so so when I was a child, I knew that my life wasn't normal, but right. I didn't know any different. And I felt like an alien compared to everyone else. I used to look at other children, but mm-hmm. I was like this. I may as well have been an adult in a child's body and they were out having fun and enjoying themselves. And all I was ever thinking about is how's mum, what's she doing today? What's going to happen tonight? The unpredictability of it all. And just that 
complete loneliness. So all I want is for those children that are much younger or even young adults to know this isn't normal and you aren't going through this on your own and there is support. So that's why I just try and be the voice of maybe the little me um, to, to tell them that. Yeah. I quite love the fact that you you mentioned sort of, you know, you've got to love your broken bits. And I think that can sort of that. That kind of is something that we can tell all our sort of children as well and all the youngsters, um, whether they've been affected by, you know, alcoholism or or all sorts of other issues that I might have had in their childhood. Because it is something, it's part of life, it's part of you to have those broken bits, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and be proud of them and not have to hide them with shame because mm. I think that's really hard. I've always had anxiety and I've always tried to fit in and sort of listen to other people and thought, why can't I do that? Why aren't I? more inspiring or more confident or but now I just think I'm just quite honest about it and say no actually I can't do that I do feel quite anxious or and I just give myself a break and think you know what I've been through a lot so if sometimes I do struggle if I actually open up about it I feel much better just saying it out loud and the response I get is really good which I don't ever expect it to be but when I tell one of my friends or my husband or it's just better it's good to be honest it it really does help. I think what you do as well is by speaking about it publicly is that there's always someone there that will watch the videos or listen to that podcast and immediately think, oh my God, I felt like that. That was me. And Mm -hmm. I think what you do by speaking out as well is stop people from feeling isolated because especially in lockdown, it was a terrible time for everybody. But for children who were living with alcoholic parents, it was, you know, Nicoa really stepped up, didn't they, during that time with it, highlighting the fact that, you know, these kids were going through stuff that normal people couldn't really ever understand but we could. Yeah, um, yeah, because school's a safe place. And in lockdown, they didn't have a safe place. They had nowhere to escape from it because if you went to school in the day, you were only getting it at night and it wasn't mm. every night maybe, or, you know, and then all of a sudden they're at home going, oh, my mum or dad's drinking in the morning and I've got to be at home with it all day. So yeah, I made, I didn't know what to do in lockdown. It was really worrying me. And I was thinking, God, if I was young. So my son was playing with Lego every day. So I went into his room and I thought, how can I incorporate the children in this and get a word out? So I made a film with um, Lego stop motion, stop motion film mm. of how it was like in lockdown for children with a parent drinking and then just tried to get it out everywhere because I thought if children see Lego, they'll want to watch it. But then mm. they'll see that actually there's a message in there that you can get support if your parent's drinking. Well, what a great idea. You see... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and you've won quite I mean you've won a couple of awards haven't you with that as well yeah the Recovery Street Film Festival um, yeah. when Jude was one I entered and my husband's a cameraman for the BBC so I oh. thought I said oh I'll just make a film of me talking yeah and I didn't really think much of it um and then when I won I, ju- I just as I do now still I couldn't believe it so I went to the awards ceremony and said I'm only going to sit in my chair I can't stand up like I'm so nervous mm. and then I kind of, it was sort of a really good starting point for me starting to speak out of it. Mm. And then I entered again once I got to Brighton and won again. And it just still going, what's going on? But I think it's just um, trying to think who my audience is and think who might need to hear it and just being as honest as possible about my feelings and what it's like to be a mum as well. After a difficult childhood, it's it's a complicated relationship as a mum as well myself. So, yeah, trying to talk about that openly seems to have helped a bit. It's very cathartic making it. And then as you start to get messages from people, you see that's that's why I'm doing it. 
And you've done so much. I mean, there's, there's that, but also there's the amazing um, poster campaign that you did. Obviously, Callum Best does a lot with Nakoa as well. And I know you've met him um, and done some work alongside him when you've been to Parliament as well. So he was part of the art campaign. Elle McPherson was part mm. of it. Tell us a little bit about this, because the, the prints are stunning. They were all up around Brighton. I mean, it was you couldn't miss it, could you? And it was just such a great thing to do. Yeah, so we've done two campaigns, one in Bristol and one in Brighton. Um, yeah, so the first one, so there's a local artist in Brighton called The Postman and another one called Broken Heartist. And I managed to get a meeting with them because nobody knows who they are. But I got a meeting through a friend and I said, look, we need to do something for Nakoa through your artwork. What can we do? And we looked at the patrons and we decided to ask Callum and Elle and they were so kind to offer their faces. So, um, yeah, we, we made a, like a graffiti sort of street art image of them both. And we put them up um, with thanks to Upfest. I think they got involved. We did 150 posters all over Bristol. And then we got a huge billboard and a mural um, in really, in really good places in Bristol where lots of people would have seen it. Um, so that was the first campaign and that went really well. And I just think street art is such a good way of connecting with young people because yeah. anything creative, it's just going to, it's just going to get them to see it more. And then in Brighton, I'm working for a place called Back on Track, which works with charities in Brighton where people are affected by their parents drinking and it supports the parents as well. And I wanted to do, I was thinking of different images and this time I thought, let's use a child because a child will see a child and think what's happening there. So we ended up using my face and another girl, Becky Burkhill, who's to do in Nakoa. And we put our faces up all over Brighton and we managed to get a billboard again. And we had them all the way along the seafront because when the schools were closed, that's where all the young people were going. They were all skateboarding down there and walking and just on the beach. So we had them all the way along there. And the message, in fact, I've got, I've got one of the pictures here. Oh, good. So this is the, this is me. Yeah. But it just says some mums and dads drink too much. Um, I just think it's, it's not one that's um, a very obvious advertising campaign because it isn't obvious. And that's what I want. I want young people to look at it and think, what's that? Mm. And then look a li little closer. Mm. And actually, they might take a photograph of it when they're with their parents, but their parents wouldn't really know what it is. You know, it's just an image. But mm. they get home and the phone number's on there. So mm. that was kind of my thoughts behind it. Wow. So you're really making steps forward and it's all quite, you know, you're developing these ideas that, you know, you, you haven't got a big machine around you, have you? That, you know, no, she's like, no, no, you know, and um, it's quite organic. Um, and also it's obviously from your personal experience. But um, for you, you know, you were saying how um, becoming a pair, being a mum yourself, you know, it changes things up, doesn't it? Because I bet your feelings towards your alcoholism before you were a mum and after must have shifted in some ways. And obviously it's made you more proactive now to sort of help kids because you've got your own. Um, but yeah, was it was it quite an interesting shift between, you know, you sort of not being a mum and then you becoming a mum? Yeah, it was, it was a very difficult one actually because when my boy was tiny, I was kind of completely attached to him I couldn't put him down and he was a very yeah. cryy baby so I just it was just one of those babies I had to hold all the time and it just made me really sad to see where did the bomb go wrong with my mum like what happened because my from what I can hear my attachment to my mum was strong up until I was one and everything anyone tells me about her and then as I got older and she began to drink and she got in a violent relationship our relationship changed and she couldn't put me first anymore but I just used to look at my boy and go how did she do that to me it was mm. uh 
it was it felt like the grief I'd grieved completely and it all came back and then yeah so I had to that's when I started making the films actually mm. and kind of really get into because my first film's called Understanding Mum and then Understanding Me um and it's yeah it's been a long process because the other part of it is um I'm very scared of making mistakes with my children right. I'm very scared of traumatizing them I find mm. it hard to keep myself looking at them as they are I kind of look at them as me and go oh god that would have been really scary when I was little but actually I wasn't in the secure environment and they are so right. letting myself not be the perfect parent is a real goal for me to let myself have a bad day and not be really cross exactly. with myself yeah I, that resonates a bit I reckon with Kelly because I see that quite mm. a lot with Kelly yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I mean, I get everything you said there constantly. Mm. Get that. It took, you know, Chris used to say to me, you're not your mum. And he used to yeah. say it over and over again. And it took so long. It was, it's really only been in the last year or so. And I've been talking about it publicly and doing podcasts and stuff about it and doing stuff with you guys for me to become more comfortable with it. But um, yeah, and having the kids, when I had... Ava, I felt exactly like you. Mm. How could she have done this to me? How mm. how did that happen? When did it happen? When was that thing where she was mm. just like, I don't, I can't have you anymore. I, you know, I'm not a mum. I'm just this. Everything's about drinking. Everything's about my own life. And I, I felt anger for years mm. because of that. The mm. anger has only sort yeah. of gone in the last few years because it for me, yeah, the grief. But oh God, I was angry. Mm, you know mm. it's such a long process isn't it people think you just kind of that's one of my the things I hate is when people think you get over it you don't yeah. get over it you learn to live differently with it and yeah and then something yeah, else I, comes yeah. up and you're dealing with that as you go through it you know it, yeah. it never it never goes yeah I could never say this is where I am forever at the moment I feel like I can remember my mum separately to the drink and I've got some yeah. the children have helped bring out some really lovely memories because in a lot of ways, when mum wasn't drinking, she was amazing. And all the fun things I do with the children are because of her, because mm. I remember her doing those fun things with me. So it yeah. is very bittersweet. But um, And then something will happen where I actually really need her and I'm cross with her again. And I'm like, why, yeah. did you, why didn't you stop? I've got no one because I haven't got any family. Mm. And there's some times where I just really love to just, oh, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> mm. It is. I have the house. Um, I have loads of pictures of her black and white, you know, from when she was young. And I do that, I think, on purpose because for me, that's when I think she was really happy. Yeah. Right. So I've got baby photos of her and teenage photos of her and all these, you know, and pictures when she was dating my dad because, you know, their marriage was terrible, but their relationship before then, he was the love of her life. So, yeah. you know, I have these photos and I look at them and they're everywhere. And I think that's how I like to see her, you yeah. know, because I just feel like when she became my mum she wasn't happy anymore so I and I don't have very many photos of us I've got a few of me and her as a baby in frames but very mm. few because I didn't live with us so mm. you know it's it is difficult and I get it you go you go through that grief there's anger there's different points isn't that I think though I've got to say Kerry that when you say you can remember parts of her without the drink I think that's a massive achievement mm. for yeah. any person to go to to, to get to yeah but it does take a long time and it isn't mm. easy um and it isn't easy to speak about it ever you know people so many people message me through Nicola and say I wish I could do what you could do and I'm like you might never do that that's fine I just choose to do this now to be kind of a legacy to her but only because 
it, it does feel like my purpose now, but every time it exhausts me, it's never, it never gets easier. Like you never, I always say like, I'll never stop missing her, but she'll never be here. Mm. It's um, yeah. You always want you, you know, like the kids seeing the, how proud she'd be of the kids. And actually Eden looks quite a lot like her. I've got some baby photos from a storage unit the other day and I thought, gosh, they look really alike. Yeah. yeah. That's a weird one as well, but yeah. yeah. So, so with Nicoa, what, what does Nicoa set out to do for, for children? Um, with living so, with alcoholism so they've got a helpline and they're yeah. open for all ages so okay. most of the people who ring NACOA have never well no hang on 30 percent have never spoken to anyone else mm. and most that I come across have never told anyone so they're adults yeah so it's a very hard thing to explain and you could say to children to speak out but actually it's really hard when you speak out and I don't put these messages out there assuming that children should ring the helpline. I hope they ring the helpline. But even if they just look on the website and see some other's personal experiences and see they're not alone, I think that's a huge shift in your mind of knowing yeah. I'm not the only one in the world going through this. Because then you might feel a bit less to blame for your parents drinking if you know that actually it's happening everywhere. Mm. But they've also got message boards so you can post on them anonymously. Right. So that's really good for young people. And they've just launched um, an instant chat. So you can just go on and chat straight away to someone, to a helpline counsellor. And mm -hmm. yeah, so so lots of different ways that you can go on their website, just have a look around or actually speak to someone. Mm. Because it, it, it's often, it's shrouded in shame as well, which is why mm. so many people don't speak out about it because they do feel like it's just them and they feel such like they're very different to everybody else. So you kind of, there is a shame attached to it, I think, you know, where you don't want to tell people you're going through that for the fear that they will judge you really. There mm. certainly was with me. And I think that can be a, that's why we talk about it so much, isn't it? To kind of yeah. break that stigma. Mm. Yeah, well. yeah, it's the shame. The shame you feel as a child and the shame that you you know your parent will feel and the yeah, and embarrassment and actually I think people who can who are drinking and can get any help, I'm just like so proud of anyone who can reach for that help because all you're trying to do is medicate something, you know, there's a reason people drink. And I know there was a very clear reason my mum drank um because of a relationship she was in and then she couldn't get back out of it. But I just think I wish there wasn't shame around it. And I think there's so many people now like be sober and sober dave and there's lots of people doing a lot for that community to show that actually just try going sober for a little while and it can be really such a huge help and it's it doesn't have to be shameful and you're just taught to keep the secret aren't you like never speak of it yes mm. yeah and that's that's a really hard thing to betray and something i never could because it wasn't even said i couldn't tell anyone but i just knew i couldn't tell anyone mm. no well, hopefully that's changing because, you know, generations gone by, you know, so many, there were so many secrets, you know, yeah. in every, you know, I, you know, you think behind every one of those little doors down the street, there's a secret, there's another secret, there's another secret. And I think, well, I pray that, you know, in our, our sort of present time, we are trying to open those doors much more and just release um, all those sort of things that people thought they couldn't share before. Um, and you certainly are, um, you know, coming out as a forerunner in that. Um, so for you, what's, um, you know, what, what would be just a delightful thing, like a real, yes, this is what I want, you know, to happen this year, maybe, you know, because it's all small steps, isn't it? But what would be the one thing that would really, really, you know, make you a happy bunny? Well, in Brighton at the moment, I'm getting a, I've written a lesson plan for schools. So right. years five and six and then secondary schools. And that's going to start running all Brighton Hove schools. But I guess my dream would be for 
all secondary school children to see that being the child of an alcoholic is a thing. I think the younger that people know and the more people that know, the better. That would be, yeah, and so that they could get support. Even if there was a NACOA helpline put into an office in school that children could go and access confidentially, I can do as much as I can online and I can do a lot in Brighton and Hove, but I'd love it if it was in all schools nationally, yeah. That's amazing. I think that's such a wonderful idea. Because um, we talk about this, Jenny, we've talked about it a lot with the different members of NACOA when we've done things, that everyone has a different experience at school. But for most kids, they mask it in a way of either they're, you know, a bit wild and truant or they're just like an A-star student and the teacher has no idea what's going on. Yeah. So Mm. to have those things in place and in there and talking about it, it's a massive issue. You know, mm, yeah, so, and also training the teachers because mm. I know me and you were very different students, weren't we? Yeah. I was the hero <laughs> child. I was the I was bad girl. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was always getting the good grades. I was quiet. I was, I'd do it, yeah, top of the class. Mm. But actually, I was, I was struggling the same way as you. Who we were probably they would have mm. noticed you and they would have said, "But she's all right. She's being good." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, we were feeling the same, weren't we?" Yes. It's really, um, yeah. that's something that NACOA do is they actually go into schools and train staff about recognising the different types of COA child because they come in all forms, don't they? What's so the mascot, the hero, oh. um, I've forgotten them, yeah. the lost child. The lost child, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Josh is Jenny's met yeah, Josh because yes, he's been on the yeah. podcast. So oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so talks a lot about things, that. Yeah, it's really mm. important for teachers to know because it's just so... Some children are obvious and some aren't. And don't ever think that the child, the quiet ones, they're, they're okay. It's, uh, yeah, can come in all forms, can't it? Well, I think um, as well, you know, makes you inspirational, apart from everything else that we've sort of spoke about, is that it's also very painful sometimes to talk about it, to be involved in work, to do with it, you know. And it can be very exhausting, like you can do something and, and talk about it for an hour on a panel and then afterwards you can come away and your whole day can be a bit of, a bit dodgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can feel a bit dodgy because it, it's just, it can be very difficult. It gets easier, but I think... You know, the fact that you throw yourself into this in this way and want to help so many people and talk about it so much and all the work you're doing is such credit to you because for a lot of people, they can't and they don't want to. They It's something they live with, but they, they can't talk about it. They don't want to relive it. And you do. We were talking about it on the phone yesterday where you said, I said, we're going to talk more about what you're doing now, but we'll... Yeah will be there and you said that's quite nice because you know mm-hmm. often I'm talking about that you know yeah. and I said I get it because I know what it's like you know when when people say will you come on and talk about it you think okay you know you relive it all for an hour and it's it's hard so mm, yeah to take it on and make this your mission is you know you're a really special person oh very thank cool. you you are okay. Oh, it's my day. Yeah, it's my day to day job now. Um, it's yeah, it's what I do for it's what I do it three days a week, but it's not always telling my story. But I think having that experience, I can kind of come at it from a different angle. But I have to always schedule a day after mm. where sometimes I can't even get out of bed, really, or I just have to sit on the sofa and watch The Bold Type. If you haven't seen that, it's amazing, <laughs> or you <laughs> right, know, right, I just, down. yeah, it's brilliant, it's on Netflix. Okay, chick, thanks. Chick flick type thing. Um, right. But um, yeah, I have to, it, it, it actually doesn't get easier for me. 
Um, but my purpose is like very clear and I know why I do it. So I don't mind that I have one bad day because actually what's one bad day? That and footage also, is then yeah. there forever. And also you you recognise it and you know yeah. what to do about it. Yeah. So you park that, you do that, and then you can carry on because it certainly sounds as if this is your calling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, I think also, I think you should, Again, I feel like I'm not qualified because, you know, I'm trying to understand because, you know, for, you know, I, I've never had to experience anything like um, the, what you two have been through. But um, it is all right for some people who, you know, maybe they do want to do things in private, but still know that, you know, Nico is there for them and that they can do things quietly or silently as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd never encourage anyone to share their story until they're comfortable and if that never happens like mm. it's great to say to people share and talk but it's not always right for people no it's it's okay for them to watch my videos and realize they're not alone but actually they just want to get on with their lives and mm. not talk about it um but um I know we might come to this but I thought this might be a good point to mention yeah. it but I've launched a competition um with the Oasis project in Brighton and nationally um, and it's a creative competition where people can write a poem or a story or a song or a piece of art. But I've said people can enter it anonymously because, yeah. again, they might want to share their story. But actually, if you've got family that's still alive and your parents gone or maybe your parents still here, it's very difficult to speak out because of fear of betrayal. And actually, siblings don't always experience it in the same way. Mm-hmm. You may, there's so many reasons why it's difficult to share. So, yeah, in the competition I've launched, I've, I've said just say who you are or just enter anonymously, say as much as you want to. And I hope that people can do that and feel that they can release some of the feelings, but also just don't feel you have to, you know, it just doesn't matter. It's whatever people are comfortable with. They should never feel any pressure to share their story to help others. Mm. What a lovely thing to do. So that's Oasis in Brighton. You're doing it just so people know what they can do to... to Yeah, so it's a partnership between the Oasis Project and the COA. Okay. So it is a national campaign. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they can just go on to either the Oasis Project or Nakoa's website. It's all over the social media. And there's a link through to enter. You just fill in a little consent form. And we're going to be um, hosting it at an art gallery on the seafront in Brighton. Oh, and then wow. um, having an exhibition on for a week. And then we're going to turn it into a book. So, um, yeah, so we've got some great judges. Um, we've got Josh Connolly that came on. Oh, I love him. Yeah, yeah. And Sophie Kay, who's a Kerrang DJ. Um, she's yeah. part of Nakoa now. And we've got Mark Adderley, uh, Nadia Suala's husband. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And we've got the CEOs of the charities and Jane Elson, the author of some children of alcoholics books. So we've got some really lovely judges. Um, I'm really looking forward to that part too. Yeah. And then we're doing two categories for 12 to 18 year olds and adults. So yeah, anyone can spread the word to help me with that. That's the that's the difficult yeah. bit. Oh, we definitely will. We can post and you know on on, on here as well. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing to do, and it's Absolutely. amazing. It's, well, it's just so God. What well, you just say, honestly? Sorry. No, um, no, no. One of the problems is that professionals who work with families don't always understand what it's like. So I see this yeah. book as a resource. For people to read it and see, oh, this is actually what it feels like when your parent drinks. And also, I'm going to get it into libraries so that children can go in there and just read it again and just see they're not alone. Um, And for the ones writing the poems and things to just 
really find a way of expressing their emotions that they might not be able to get out in any way. Because I don't know about you, Kelly, but when I was young, I found reading and writing really helpful. Reading things like Alice in Wonderland, the BFG, and then writing all my thoughts down. It just helped me escape from whatever situation I was in. No matter how horrendous it was downstairs, I could go up and get my books out and it just helped. Yes, definitely. I think, you know... I think there's always that thing, isn't there? You find what you love when you're a child. And if you are going through something, that becomes very special to you. You know, I used to swim a lot and that was my huge thing. And I also used to just record radio shows all the time because I just wanted to be on the radio show. And my brother, who's not very like, you know, he's not very sort of, Smutsy or whatever the word is, I'm trying Smutsy. to think of. But you know what? You know what I mean. Like not very um, soft. He's a bit yeah. of a hard shell. But he he kept all my tapes. You know, from when I was like oh, ten, and oh. I used to pretend to be a DJ and everything. And he often says, "Do you remember Fan? Because that's what he it's my mum's nickname for me, and he calls me it now. Um, I've got all those tapes, you know, because that was all I ever wanted to do. So it was my little thing that. So I, mm. and I loved, you know, English reading, drama or anything you throw yourself into to escape. Yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah. And really, if I ever need to cry, the only way I can do it is to blare out music. Yeah. You know, you know, like that Kelly Clarkson song, Because of You. <laughs> yeah. If I'm ever yeah. angry with mum, I'll put that, that on because of and you? I can get that it all out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really helps. I mean, that aside, it was funny, you telling us all about, well, it's not funny, but quite poignant, actually. But, you know, when you were telling me just then about all these things that you were doing and, you know, you've done it, little old, you've done it yourself, little, little young you, actually, you know, without, you know, any kind of backing at all and all off your own back, actually. Yeah, and I wanted to say, gosh, your mum, she'd be so proud. But she, And I thought, oh, no, but I think she would. Yeah, I don't know. I find it's it weird, really isn't it? I mean, yeah, because yeah, that's the first thing we'd all think, oh, you know, your mother would be so proud yeah. of you. But it's all these things, these battles that you would yeah. you have to go through all the time, isn't it? Yeah, because that's what's difficult whenever you share things. I come off it straight away and I think, what would mum say? And you know what, on yeah. bad days, she'd be really angry with me. In, in reality, that's what she would have been like. But actually, if she was well, I can't really remember her well. No. So if she was sober and well... Who knows? Maybe she would have been, but I, I still do it for her. It's all for yeah. her, and I'll never speak badly of her. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved her, and she was poorly, and yeah. and the main person I think I do it for is little me, because I've been doing some work, um, like some trauma therapy, and looking very much into my sort of inner child, and and that's what I always think about. And and as my children are getting older, and as they get to an age when I remember something happening, I can look at them and think gosh, how did you deal with that at that age? Like, they don't have to think about anything. And I was there doing all sorts of things to control environments and make sure mum was safe. And, and and they're the ones that kind of take me back to little me and go, right, keep going with this because these children are everywhere. They're one in five. So I need to be there for them. Oh. Yeah, Love you so much. You're yeah. amazing. You really are. Yeah, it's uh, just a... Yeah. Of a special person <laughs> you are and for people like kelly um mm. and there are so many um you know you probably don't quite realize the effect you're having and the, and the big steps that you're taking are for for all those people too um so don't forget that with your little me stuff because you <laughs> yeah. know it's I'm quite not, a thing yeah. for little you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at accepting any sort of compliment. Yet. She's oh. terrible at it. On the Is phone she? yesterday, I, I had to keep telling her off. I was on a walk and I had her in my headphones and I had to keep saying no, on, you know. Yeah. 
Um, I'm not there yet, but I will be. Uh, I'm you will be. To, yeah. I don't I don't quite love myself yet, but I'm learning to like myself. And I'm I'm kind of more accepting of who I am now. I was saying yesterday to you that I'm learning to stop people pleasing. And actually, yeah. I might lose a few friendships, but I think it's just really important that I'm authentic. And if I'm myself and people don't like me, then that's okay because nobody likes everybody. And that's no. been a real change for me in the last couple of years of... I'd try and shape myself to be the person that I think they'd want me to be. Whereas mm. now I'm trying not to do that as much mm. and just being fully me and fully loud. And if it's if it's not okay, then that's fine. Jenny's great at that. I remember Jenny standing in my kitchen in Manchester and saying to me, fuck them. Like, you know, people, <laughs> oh my God. If, if they fuck like em. you, they like you. And if that life's too bloody short, you get to this part of your life and you just think, no, not anymore. And she's yeah. great. You're, uh, I remember just thinking, wow. Cause at the time I was just this ball of anxiety and, mm. you know, and God. you're so different now, Kelly. Yes, you so are different. so different. Honestly. But a lot of that's because of you, you know, <laughs> oh. you changed, she changed a lot for me, uh, yeah. becoming my friend and my business partner. So, oh, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a, a real sisterhood and I think as mums and how we've you know the stage we've all been at through through sort of lockdown etc uh we've all been able to help each other um and and we've had time to think uh, more than we would have we've not been half as busy or distracted should I say and um I do my ethos is honestly um Carrie that you know, you cut people worry too much about yeah. what other people think, but you've yeah. got to think about what those people are like as well. You know, all <laughs> these people with opinions. I mean, you know, we've learned a lot on social media, haven't we? All mm. these people who have opinions, you know, and want to say stuff about you and they don't even really know you as well. You've, I think that's why it's brought it to the fore because, um, or magnified it. Um, mm. yeah. So don't, yeah. Don't know. You're yeah. too lovely to swear, but don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks because I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> no, that's exactly what my friend Gabs taught me. He, when I moved to Brighton, he loves social media and stuff and he was trying to get me to develop my business that I've now closed. And he was saying, I was saying, I don't know what to post and I don't know what to say. And he was saying, just be yourself. I said, yeah, but people won't understand and they might not like it. And he said those very words. Fuck them. <laughs> and I've always yeah. kept that in my head. And I tell mm. people like, like they're going to do interviews and stuff. I said, I've got two words for you. And they're like, what are they? What are they? <laughs> Tell them. And that is all you need because it's just think about what you want to achieve. Like I want to reach those children. I want to reach those adults. If other people don't get it, it's because they haven't experienced it. So they're not my audience. Exactly. So I don't no. care if they think, oh, she's living in the past or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been amazing. Yeah. Um, if uh, I'm sure the pe- our lovely women listening to this will want to know more from you, Kerry. So on social media, on Instagram, you are underscore Kerry underscore Walker. Is that right? I think it's, yeah, I think it's just Kerry underscore Walker. Yeah, yeah. it is. Sure. Yeah. 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 I've got it. I just started following you, Kerry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So they can find you on there and they can find out all about the poster campaign um, and yeah. the competition that you're doing, everything. There's lots yeah. of stuff yeah. on there. Yeah. And Nicole is also on Instagram as well. So yeah, the competition closes on the 11th of July. Okay. okay. Lovely. And credit to you too, Kelly, because I know we don't talk so much um, about, you know, the things in the past that have happened with you, but um, you know, these sort of uh, these chats we have, you know, it's a sensitive thing for you. But look, you know, fuck them if they don't like it. <laughs> go somewhere else, can't they? It's always Stacey Solomon. You can go and listen to her if you want. <laughs> <laughs> She's a-
This is what she's like, I love her. <laughs> Honestly. And she's always like this, Kerry, always like this. From the first time I met her, where I was like, bloody hell, I'm frightened. <laughs> oh, but when you keep I, doing what you're doing. Yes. And, um, yeah, thank you so yeah. much, Kerry. Thanks. Oh, thank lovely. you for having me, both of you, and thank yeah. you for supporting me with this, Kelly. Thank oh, you. It's a pleasure. 